Hello, I'm Connor Pope and this is In The News. Today, 12.5%, 15%, just how important is the corporate tax rate to the Irish economy? And what difference will the change coming down the tracks make to us? For decades, Irish politicians have jealously guarded a corporate tax rate of 12.5%. The 12.5% was, we were told, sacrosanct, essential to bringing in foreign investment and creating jobs. And sure, weren't we only a small country anyway, one which couldn't compete on the world stage without some advantages. Nonsense, other countries said. The rate meant Ireland was a tax haven, they all insisted. There was an impasse. Then, this year, the mood music started to change. US President Joe Biden was the conductor and his administration started pushing for an overhaul of the global tax system. The 12.5% was suddenly on the table in a big way. A draft new deal was agreed on Friday between the OECD countries and it will see the corporate tax rate in Ireland climb to 15%. That will bring it in line with others on the world stage. While the broad agreement has been reached between 136 countries who have signed up, it is not yet a done deal and will require approval, perhaps most crucially from the US Congress. The finishing line does, however, seem to be in sight. But what will such a change mean? Will we even notice it? Will a higher tax rate mean more money? Will it mean less money? Will it see big companies up sticks and leave Ireland? Irish Times managing editor Cliff Taylor has been writing about Ireland's corporate tax rate for a long, long time. So we went to him in search of some answers. Cliff, can we start at the very beginning here? What is Ireland's corporate tax rate and why is it so important? Yeah, the corporate tax rate is 12.5%, which of course is a good deal lower than you or I or any of the listeners would pay on their on their income tax. But for years, Ireland has used a low rate of corporation tax as a way to attract big multinational companies to invest here. And I mean, the story goes back to the, to the 1960s when Ireland first then a kind of a closed economy, reliant on agriculture and farming and domestic industry and, and kind of lagging behind the big international surge, decided to open up to open up the economy and try to attract firms in. And there was this idea to introduce a zero rate for companies that exported from Ireland, which was a, a rarity at the time. Some companies exported to Britain, but there wasn't really a lot of exports going on. So the zero rate was introduced, kind of developed through the through the 60s and, and, and the 1970s when a kind of a proper corporation tax regime was brought in. And then we joined the EU and the EU didn't really like this. There was a lot of tutting and finger wagging about it. And finally, in, in, in the early 1980s, we agreed to introduce a 10% rate. So a lot of kind of your older listeners will remember the old 10% manufacturing rate, as it was called at the time, for companies that were manufacturing. And that was really a big deal for the first phase of the big companies that came into Ireland back then, you know, including some of the names we still have here now, like Apple, for example, Coca-Cola. They started off in Ireland effectively as kind of assembly operations, putting things together importing goods in from or importing parts in from elsewhere, putting them together and exporting them out around the world. And this really was the first bridge, I suppose you might say, in Ireland's in Ireland's export strategy. And, and the 10% tax rate was really important to that. A few years on, there was further kind of comings and goings with the EU. And, and the fact that exporting companies were charged or international companies were charged one rate and domestic industry was charged another became a factor. And a single rate of 12.5% was introduced for all companies and has been in place ever since. And how does that 12.5% compare with other countries like the US or countries across the European Union? 
Yeah, it's low. I mean, typically countries would have 20% plus corporation tax rates. So I suppose you might break the international grouping into three. There's kind of the big countries like the US, the UK, France, Germany have typically had rates of 20% plus gone up and down a bit over the years, but well above Ireland's rate. Then a group of kind of smaller countries, European countries like ourselves, Poland, Hungary, Estonia, who have had lower rates as a way to try and attract in industry. So we'd be in that kind of middle group. And then there's been a group of what were dubbed tax havens, you know, real old fashioned tax havens, Cayman Islands, the Bahamas, all these places with, with effectively zero tax rates for companies. So we were in that middle group. The lower group has kind of been pretty much cleaned out now by international tax reform and don't have anything like the business they used to have. So so, so we are now a low tax country and have been in the lights for a while now in terms of international tax reform because of that, because we are now one of the lower tax places that big companies can, can locate. And of course, for years, our low tax rates have been criticised outside of Ireland and it's argu- it has arguably tarnished our reputation. But even so, it has enjoyed almost universal support in politics here. And, and, and the mantra has been, you can take our fish, but keep your hands off our tax rates. Um, <laughs> Why has it been so vigorously defended by the political class in Ireland? And does that tell us anything about how how effective it has been in boosting our economy? Yeah, I think it does all right. I mean, wasn't it interesting to hear Pierce Doherty on the radio more or less saying, oh, the, you know, the government might have been able to defend the 12.5% rate and, uh, you know, even if they're getting rid of the 15, we should still keep 125 for for smaller companies. You know, this is a left-wing party, Sinn Féin, uh, a party that, you know, aims to raise more tax from better off people. But 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 even they are saying, look, we need to, we need to retain as low a rate as we can to attract companies in here. It's worked. It's been kind of one of the magic beans of the Irish economy over the last 10 or 15 years. We attracted all these companies in initially. And as I said, they were kind of assembly operations. They were kind of almost distinct from the the rest of what was going on in the Irish economy. They were little islands employing people and paying tax, but kind of with very limited links to, to the domestic economy. But the whole sector has exploded since then. The big manufacturers have moved up the value chain as the jargon has it. In other words, they've started manufacturing more and more complicated things over the years. I mean, look at the developments, for example, in companies like Intel that now produce the smallest, most advanced microchips in the Intel range out in out in Leakslip. Hugely complicated, complex manufacturing operation employing, you know, five or 6,000 people directly and thousands of others with their livelihoods reliant on it. That's why everyone supports the 12.5% or has supported the 12.5% tax rate. And it's been an extraordinary totem, you might say, of Irish economic policy every year in the budget. We have the budget coming up next Tuesday and it's going to be the first year for whatever 20 years or whatever it is where the minister has not got up and made the nod to to the 12.5% rate to kind of nodding from government and opposition benches at the time because it has just worked and it's worked extraordinarily well not only in terms of employment but also in terms of tax revenue and we've got a massive boost particularly in the last few years corporation taxes more than doubled since 2015 it's paid for a lot of our sins it's paid for a lot of extra spending it's helped keep borrowing down and even through the pandemic it's just kept on going without that huge boost from corporation tax to budgets over the last few years would have looked really, really differently. And I think one of the dirty words in international finance is tax haven. And in recent years, there have been murmurings in American political circles and across the EU that Ireland is a tax haven. And a lot of that came about when senior Apple executives appeared before a US Senate committee in 2013. What was that about? I think that really was a key turning point in this whole saga when Tim Cook appeared before the the Senate committee, which was looking into Apple's tax arrangements. 
And he kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, look, we're doing everything by the law. There's nothing wrong here. And on the other side of the table, the senior senators were saying, but look, you're only paying 0.02% on, on, on your international profits. What, you know, what on earth is going on here? And it, and it went back and forward. And Apple made its case that, you know, the effective rate of playing was in fact higher and that it wasn't breaking any laws. But I think that was a moment. And it came at a time when a lot of exchequers were looking for cash as well. And I think it did change the mood music and change the politics. It eventually led led to the first round of EU reforms in 2015-2016 and it's led to the talks ever since which have tried to come up with this deal. But you're right, that was the moment and uh, that was also the moment that put Ireland at the centre of the story because Apple had a company which was incorporated in Ireland but it turned out was not resident to pay taxes anywhere. It was kind of in the cloud, if you'd like to say, from the from a tax point of view. Everyone shrugged their shoulders and it, you know, it appeared that this was legal. It's not legal anymore because the Irish tax laws have been changed. Uh, but yeah, was that embarrassing for Ireland? Yeah, it was. Did that lead to pressure on Ireland? Yeah, absolutely it did. Is Ireland a tax haven? You're into kind of a semantic argument there, I suppose. What is a tax haven? You know, the weather here probably isn't good enough to be a tax haven. Tax havens are meant to have palm trees and sunshine and uh, brass plates. And in fairness, you know, that's, that's not Ireland. But in the discourse now, and even in reputable journals like the Financial Times, Ireland is, is now grouped as, as one of the countries of tax havens. So... I think that's a factor in what's happened over the last year or two. Coming up, will the new 15% damage our economy? We heard at the start of this podcast that Ireland is one of the 136 countries that has now signed up to this OECD corporate tax deal. It sets 15% as the lowest corporate rate a country can have. Now, in 2020, Ireland took in a record amount of corporate tax, almost €12 billion. But the tax that comes from the overall activity of these large multinationals is even greater. It's around €20 billion. So what impact can we expect the increase in the corporate tax rate to have on how much money we take in? Yeah, we got about twelve billion last year, and you're right. When you add income tax and all the other taxes into that, it's it gets it up to twenty or, or, or even higher if you're to add in VAT. So, out of a total tax base of fifty or sixty billion, that is obviously really significant. You know, Ireland's taxes are reliant on a very small number of very big companies uh, and a relatively small number of really well-paid people, a lot of whom work for the very big companies that pay the corporation tax. So we are really reliant on these companies for a significant part of our tax revenue. And you're right, there's an interesting thing now in the uh, few people have said, well, look, we're going to put our tax rate up as part of this, it looks like. So how come we're going to be losing money? Because all the talk all along is we're going to be losing a couple of billion euro a year out of the OECD tax deal. So the, the way to understand that is that there are two parts of the, two parts to the OECD, OECD. It's a terrible word, OECD. The OECD deal. <laughs> One is going to cost us money and the other is going to get us some money back. So the bit that's going to cost us money is that the big multinationals, for example, the big digital multinationals, the likes of Googles, like the Googles, the LinkedIn's and those kind of companies, are going to have to pay some tax in future in markets where they sell, uh, France, Germany, the big European markets, for example, even if they've no presence on the ground there. So previously, those companies would have earned profits in those markets and they would have come back to their Irish headquarters and some would have been taxed here, some would have gone back to HQ or whatever. That's, that's the way it worked. But in future, they're going to have to pay some tax in the, in the, in the big markets, the exact amount to be defined as part of this deal. But that's going to cost us money because they're paying more tax there, they're going, going to be paying less tax here. The government has said that might be 2 or 2.5 billion a year, which is not far off a fifth of corporate tax revenue. So it's a fair bit. But the other side of the deal, you're right, the corporate tax rate is going to go up. So we're going to get some money back 
on, on that side of the equation. Very hard to know how much because we just don't know how the companies are going to restructure their accounting practices to account for the changes in the OECD deal. But it could be one to one and a half billion uh, kind of over the next couple of years. So so in, in, in overall terms, the hit to the Irish exchequer may not be that huge. I think the real question is, what impact is this going to have on investment in, in the years to come? That's that that's the real net issue for Ireland, I think. And what impact do you think it's likely to have? Um, it's a tough one to call. First of all, we haven't seen the entire version of the OECD deal. Uh, and secondly, the impact kind of depends on decisions made in maybe a couple of dozen boardrooms in the US. Uh, you know, there's a small... Ha- the top 10 companies pay half of all the corporation tax here. So we're really reliant on a very small number of companies and, and what they do with their sometimes opaque structures that they that they operate in and, and, and decision-making, which is driven by all kinds of different things. I mean, long story short, I don't think we're going to see a big pullout of, of, of companies here on the basis of this. I think we did face a big danger in the summer when it looked like there might be agreement on a higher rate at a much higher level. The US was pushing for 21%. That would have knocked our tax advantage out of the park and I think would have been a real issue for Ireland over the next few years. 15%, and if it's certainly tied down at 15%, still allows us to offer a rate lower than other other countries. Uh, tax is going to be a less potent weapon for us in terms of attracting these companies here in the future. There's going to be a lot of other things that will be important. So I think the companies that are here will, will probably stay here. Um question mark over maybe some future investments, the pace of, of investment in the future, the idea is going to have to work a bit harder. Other policies are going to have to have to improve if we're going to stay competitive. Uh, but a challenge, not, I think, the disaster that it might have been. I mean, the other way of looking at it, I suppose, and a number of senior kind of accountants have said, look, if this had happened 10 or 15 years ago, when tax really was the, the magic sauce that attracted companies here, it would have been, this could have been a real issue. Now it's a whole mix of factors. We have a huge number of companies established here. So I think they'll stay, they'll continue to employ people, they'll sit tight and they'll reassess how things are going to look over the next few years. And uh, interesting, it's going to be interesting, all right. What's the deal with these big companies? You have Facebook, you have Google, you have Microsoft, you have LinkedIn. Is it a real hassle for them to up sticks and leave? Yeah, massive. Yeah, it's a huge deal. I mean, they really are kind of deeply embedded here. A lot of the big multinationalists, they have huge investments here. I mean, as the head of Intel said when he was here, he said something like, well, we're stuck with each other now because we've put a lot of money in here and you've done a lot for us. But, you know, we're stuck with each other going forward. Whether Ireland wins the next big Intel investment or not, um, you know, Intel is going to be a big player here for, 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 for many years to come. So, yeah, it is, it, is a, it is a huge deal for them to up sticks and leave. And I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, the question is, in terms of, so, so in terms of jobs, I, I, I don't see a threat to, 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 to jobs here. In fact, there is some certainty now where there was uncertainty before, I think, in terms of, of how these companies will pay tax in future. So that, that maybe, you know, offers some, some certainty in terms of investment in future. What's harder to call is what it means for, for tax revenue. And you get into some kind of fuzzy and opaque stuff here. The Fiscal Advisory Council had a look at the corporate tax base and they said, look, we can explain half of it on the basis of what these companies do here, what they produce and what they export. But the other half is, is hard to explain. Uh, it's to do with the structures they set up internationally, the way they move money. Uh, it's very hard to you know get underneath the bonnet 
uh, of all that. So the question, I think, in terms of corporate tax is how those movements of money are affected in the years ahead, how these companies restructure themselves. I mean, the ironic thing is, while we've been under the cosh and under the focus of Europe for many years and, 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 and more widely, that the first phase of this OECD reform has actually op- operated hugely to our advantage because companies have restructured themselves to declare much more profit in Ireland uh, and thus pay much more tax here and also have lo- seem to have located more activity here as part of that whole restructuring process. So it's really played to our advantage. So if we can just hold on to that and hold on to the um, the kind of assets that the companies have moved to Ireland, they've moved really important things like the rights to their research and development, the rights to their patents, and these are driving some of the increases in taxes. If we can hold on to that in Ireland, and, and there are signs that we probably can, uh, we may get out of this without without too much damage. We tend to focus a lot on our own particular circumstances. Has there been much international focus on Ireland's approach to this deal or to these negotiations? Like, do the big countries really give a rashers about what Ireland does? Yeah, I think you're right, Connor. isn't it? I mean, we, we tend to see it through our own prism, but I mean, from the point of view of everyone else, you know, this isn't all about us. And they've been beating themselves, beating each other over the head about a whole load of different things. Poland are looking for things. China's looking for things. The Americans are, have been driving this whole process and, and, and are looking for for their own pound of flesh out of it. So there are there's a host of agendas here. But that said, we have, I think, had more focus on us uh, than our, you know, our size would would tend to suggest or justify. And the reason for that is because so many of the big American companies have set up corporate headquarters here, the headquarters that manage their sales around the world, their international headquarters, as, as they call them. And because they've done that, we have been important players in the in in the flow of money across the world, the profit shifting, as it's called, which has been at the heart of what the OECD is trying to clamp down on. So for that reason, I think, you know, we have had more focus on us than, than might normally have been expected for, for a small country, even given the, the level of employment here from multinationals. The other thing is that there's a big focus on us from the EU point of view. And the reason is that when this OECD deal is done, the rest of Europe is going to want to, to write this into European law and put it in a directive so it will apply across Europe. Uh, and they want to be able to do that without without hassle and without more fights uh, and without more trouble, if you like. Just get it done, I think, is the feeling at this stage. Now, the reason why Pascal Donner, who has been so uptight about the 15% and the at least, is that he feared that if the at least was left in the text at least 15%, that he would face a European table and the Taoiseach would face a European table next year when some countries would be arguing the rate should be higher. The French have argued for a higher rate, 20-21%, for example. The European Commission has long argued for a higher rate under, under successive commissioners, have long pushed for Ireland to, to, to roll back on its corporate tax policy. So Ireland have wanted to kind of tie that in, I suppose. And they've also been extensively talking with the commission to say, look, if the figure is 15%, are you guys going to accept this now? Is this is this it, if you like? Now, we may not get cast iron assurance on that, uh, I suspect, but it does seem like the government has got political indications that the commission won't, uh, in the jargon, try to gold plate the OECD deal. They won't try and put new rules in. They won't try and put a higher rate in. They won't try and screw Ireland, uh, to put it bluntly, even more. And, you know, while that, while there are costs there for Ireland, obviously, 
previous proposals from the EU would have been hugely to our disadvantage, the way the EU had planned to reform corporate tax. You know, if it can be tied down in line with the OECD deal, then at least it's done, done. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about this global tax plan, the OECD tax plan? What countries are driving it and why? Pretty much every exchequer in the world is short of cash at the moment, particularly after the pandemic. So that's a big factor. People are looking for money. This is not only about how much tax companies pay. It's about where they pay it. And the Irish story there is we've done very well, particularly over the last few years, in terms of the where they pay it side of the equation. And we're probably going to have to pay a bit of a price on that now in future. So in part, it's been driven by the big countries who have looked at the likes of Ireland and said, look, these are guys are these guys are creaming in tax revenue here. Uh, some of that is effectively our money. So that's part of it. Some of it's been driven by the US. And that really is what's changed over the last kind of six six to nine months that the Biden administration has come in and said, look, we want to spend vast amounts of money on infrastructure in the US, on spending, and we need to raise the money somewhere and we're going to hit rich people and we're going to hit companies. The Biden administration needed cover on that, I suppose, internationally, because if they were going to hike up the rates that they charged US companies at home, they didn't want them to be able to go abroad and be able to pay low taxes abroad and export even more jobs, which was a huge issue in the in the election campaign. We tend to we tend to associate the bring jobs home thing to Donald Trump, but if you read the Joe Biden's electoral literature, this is you know this is a huge political issue in America. So that's part of it. And and really it's the US that has that has reignited and driven this. And and the US is at the center of it because it's it's it, it is US companies which are the most controversial, I suppose, are at the forefront in terms of these tax avoidance practices. The US is always a big player in these international deals anyway. So the US has been driving this and everyone else has been trying to try to get their pound of flesh and there's still a lot of controversy about it. Like, uh, is it fair? Uh, how does it treat smaller countries? How does it treat developing countries? There's a lot of controversy about that. And a lot of tax justice campaigners saying, look, this doesn't go far enough to reallocate tax to, to poorer countries where these companies have big businesses, but don't pay a lot of tax. It all seems hideously complicated. There are 136 countries involved in the deal, each with their own system, their own worldview and their own aims. Is it surprising that we got this far at all? If you stand back from it, I guess something has had to happen because the corporate tax regime was designed in a time when, you know, goods were made in one country, manufactured in one country. There was no service exports in those days. They were exported on a ship to another country and sold in, you know, shops or go go to other factories or whatever. It was all pretty simple. Now we have goods designed in one country, manufactured in another, sold online from a from a from another country into 20 or 30 more different countries. So it's pretty clear that the old system just wasn't working. It was creaking. And the big companies had too much of an ability to move company to move their profits around the world and thus cut their tax bills and not pay their fair share. Now, just a handful of countries have not signed up to the OECD deal and it's set to be pushed through. So what comes next? Is the deal now guaranteed to go through? So I think the real danger for it is America. So Joe Biden's having trouble getting his plans through Congress. The tax plans are central to that. So I think this this could collapse if the US Congress can't pass Joe Biden's tax plans. And then everyone else says, well, if the Americans aren't playing, we're not playing either. And they, you know, take their footballs home or whatever. Then I think we're in a tricky situation because the problem remains, the problem that we've been talking about remains that these, you know, something needs to be done. Already, a lot of countries have moved to introduce what are called digital taxes to tax companies in their own countries. Uh, the activities of big American companies are big companies, many of whom are American in, the, in their own countries. So France, Germany, the UK, Italy, all have these plans either in place or in planning that they would introduce these taxes anyway. The Americans aren't going to like that. 
uh, they're going to perhaps try and introduce some different rules of their own. There's going to be tensions. There's going to be, you know, transatlantic wars. There's the risk of this moving into tariffs or special kind of tax penalties, which could catch countries like Ireland in the middle. Better to have certainty from Ireland's point of view, better to have this deal done than have that kind of uncertain environment, that fractious kind of thing that could develop uh, and perhaps a real drive by Joe Biden to, you know, bring jobs home to penalise companies who are earning profits and bringing back royalties from overseas, to penalise companies from other countries like Ireland who are operating in America, which which is has been part of the US plan to try and get countries to sign up to the OECD deal. So all kinds of nasty things could happen, I think, if and unpredictable things really is, is, is the point if this deal isn't done. So there may be a cost to us. It may lead to uncertainties, but I think better it's done than, than not done. Cliff, that's great. Thank you very much for talking to us. That's it for today. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday.